When fair April, with his showers sweet, has pierced the drought of March to the roots' feet and bathed each vein in liquid of such power, its strength creates the newly springing flower. Well, you can tell some of the Living on Earth staff studied English literature, and appropriately enough for Poetry Month in April, they like to pull out their Chaucer. And to also mark the Earth Month of April, we've made it a feature of our programs to go on a pilgrimage into our archives and bring some of our stories up to date. Today, we update a story Living on Earth's Bobby Bascom reported a couple of years ago. It featured Michael Amadori, then a student at the State University of New York's College of Environmental Science and Forestry in Syracuse. For his thesis project, he was collecting leftovers from the school's cafeteria to turn into food for fish farming, and he took Bobby along with him. This corn and bean uh, salsa right here, I mean, that's like gold right there. I mean, if I get some of that, I'll put all that in the food, the corn, the beans. All the food he collects, except dairy, goes into the grinder to make a mush the consistency of Play-Doh. Then he squeezes it through an extruder to make spaghetti-shaped strands that are baked, dried, and broken into bite-sized fish pellets. Amadori leads the way across campus to a small greenhouse where his thesis experiment is growing and eating. So in each fish tank there's 50 gallons of water and uh, about 19 tilapia fish. There are six tanks in total, and above each tank is a 50-gallon drum, cut in half and filled with gravel. That's where Amadori cultivates the other half of his experiment. Aquaponics is the combination of aquaculture and hydroponics. You raise fish, and in your standard like fish tank, like people have at home, but instead of using those commercial filters that clean the water, you pump the water up into a hydroponic grow bed, which cleans the water just like the commercial filters, but you also get value-added produce out of it. The fish deposit their waste in the water. That waste acts as a fertilizer for bib lettuce plants, and the water filters through the gravel to drip back to the fish. Tilapia are omnivorous. Amadori feeds the cafeteria diet to the fish in three tanks. Fish in the other three tanks get the industry standard corn-based fish food. I like to say that there are mainly three main ingredients, uh, ground corn, ground fish, and ground up Flintstone vitamins. So it's just a vitamin and mineral premix, and just corn-based feed and a lot of uh, fish. It's all that fish in aquaculture feed that worries Amadori. He says it's not sustainable. We've pretty much outfished all of the main commercial fishes in the ocean. So what we're doing now is we're harvesting their food, the smaller base fish that uh, you know are as feed for the haddock, feed for the tuna, feed for the salmon. We're taking their feed and grinding it up just so we can grow fish in aquaculture settings. So it's not the most sustainable practice. Sustainable or not, fish love it. Amadori takes out a plastic container of food and shakes some into the tanks. The fish immediately come to the surface and gobble it up. You know, the commercial food has been formulated after uh, decades of research, so it is catered exactly to what the fish want to eat. They, they really like this. It's like they get to eat their favorite cereal every day. We're feeding them Fruit Loops, basically, here. Yep. Sweet, delicious cereal that they love. Well, Michael Amadori has now finished his thesis project and graduated, so we checked in with him to see how it finally worked out. What we found is that you know, the fish only ate about half as much feed as the commercial feed. It looked to be a palatability issue. When I put in the commercial feed, the fish devoured it in, in a matter of moments. When I put in my custom feed, the fish would eat it. They'd kind of pick at it, chew on it. You know, they just ate less of it. 
So they ate about half as much food and they grew about half as big in the same time frame as the commercial fish. It was rather like feeding them porridge instead of Fruit Loops, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess it might have been a little uh, bland for their taste and not uh, quite what they were hoping for. Because we had the nutrition analyzed for both feeds, and it wasn't so much the pellets were deficient in nutrition, it was that the fish just weren't eating enough to get their nutrition. So it's more like feeding them porridge instead of a full five-course meal. What kind of ideas do you have on how you could improve this uh, experiment, get the fish to like your pellets a bit better? One of the suggestions was maybe adding fish oil. Fish oil, if you ever cooked with it, very small amount and it's very potent. That would add some flavor, um, make it more palatable to the fish, so uh, the fish pellets might be used in a commercial setting. Well, how do you feel about that? Because as soon as you add commercial fish products, you're getting away from your original idea of, of reducing stress on the world's oceans. Yeah, I know. It's kind of, it's tough. But I mean, at the same time, if I'm able to offer a feed that is able to produce fish just as quick as a commercial feed, but uses 80% less fish from the world's oceans, it's still a win for the world's oceans. Is it as big of a win as I want it? No. Does it help reduce our demand on the wild fish populations? Absolutely. What if you sit the tilapia down and have a little chat with them and say, hey, look, guys, what, what is it that uh, did go by in the cafeteria stuff that did taste good? <laughs> yeah, that's one option. I guess more of a pre-sorting maybe specifically sorting out, you know, the fish-based products um, would be one option to consider. The problem with that is, you know, we're at a university dining hall. There's not always maybe enough seafood being served to really produce the pellets on a large scale. I was actually thinking of a fish house, you know, uh, what is it, the Red Lobster or Jack's uh, Clam Shack. I mean, their compost would have a lot of fish in it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's actually a great idea. Red lobsters, I mean, they're all over the country, which would work great. One of the other ideas is, you know, the shipping, the transportation, where you want to kind of be local. Every major city probably has at least 20 red lobster stores and other types of, like, seafood-based, um, like you said, Long John Silvers, things like that, maybe partnering with them to use their food waste, quote-unquote, I like to say scraps or leftovers, to make the pellets would be definitely an option. So how many of the fish that you grew did you eat yourself? And, and how did those fish tacos taste? <laughs> they tasted just like the other ones. We were able to cut up a couple of them and make, you know, fried it up with some lemon and some butter. And uh, you couldn't taste any difference between either of the commercially fed fish or the experimentally fed fish. When you're uh, filleting the fish, there wasn't any more fat or any, you know, difference in the fillet visually or taste. So how many fish are you growing now? So we're no longer growing fish. The experiment ended um, in the beginning of 2012, and I defended my thesis in May of 2012 and graduated from college. And before I graduated, I was able to win a student business plan competition on the idea of my thesis, that we were going to take food from an urban setting and use it to produce food in an urban setting. So since I graduated, I ended up founding a company called Full Circle Feed, and we've made a slight pivot. Uh, when you're making a feed, it's regulated very specifically, not only with its fat, protein, fiber, and starch, but we're looking at amino acids, carbohydrates, caloric content, vitamins, minerals, much higher regulated than, say, a treat. So we ended up starting to produce, instead of producing fish feed, we're producing dog treats to start. Uh-huh. And what does your dog think? 
Oh, dogs love them. <laughs> you know, dogs love people food. A lot of owners don't like feeding their dog people food. You know, dogs tend to beg um, a lot when they get fed table scraps all the time. So it's like you're allowing your dog to have a people food treat but without, you know, feeding them from the table. Yeah, I was going to say this is what every kid who didn't want to eat those peas uh, lived for, right? You just slide the, slide the plate under the table, Rover comes over, your plate is miraculously clean. <laughs> it's funny, um, someone even sent me an email, he goes, my wife and I always bicker about me feeding the dog um, table scraps, so we're helping save relationships too. Michael Amadori is a graduate now of State University of New York College of Environmental Science and Forestry in Syracuse and founder of Full Circle Feed. Thanks so much, Michael. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. And so we thought we'd better do a taste test of his new treats. And he sent a doggy bag to Bobby Bascom, who tried them out on Byron. Hey, Byron. Want a cookie? Can you sit? Okay, we have two kinds here. We have a bark and something that looks like a bone. Do you want a bone? Can you speak? Speak. Oh, there you go. Do you like those cookies? Do you like cafeteria leftovers? Yeah. 